following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Let's put a record. We got the sun in Phoenix too. 52. Are you Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. This week we're going to touch again on the coaching search. Then we're going to we're going to dive into Eric Bledsoe and we think it might be the last time we do it. So, we're going to leave it all out on the table right there and then we'll talk about what we've seen in the NBA playoffs so far. My name's Charlie Erling. I have Dab and Mitch Krumpetich and David McGraw with me. What's up, guys? You know, we're here. Um the weather in Phoenix is unbelievable. The basketball is better than it's been all season cuz we're not playing. Um things are good (laughs) that's right i echo those sentiments uh watching some solid basketball enjoying some light news that i never know what to make up of and just enjoying this little bit of weather before it starts breaking the triple digits too bad in arizona because i stuck my feet in the pool today felt pretty good i think it's time to jump in i think it's time i would recommend it you, do you have one of those heated pools at the apartment, though? I do, but I swam in one that wasn't heated the other day, and it was nice. All right, yeah. I think, I think I'm due for that. Something <laughs> to look forward to here. All right, let's hop right into it. The coaching wrap-up, we hope. The Suns said they'd have a new head coach picked out by the end of the month, and as you're listening, I believe this is the last day of the month. So unless we hear today, uh, the Suns didn't hold true to that, but... They've had over 12 guys in for interviews, uh, formal or informal, I suppose. We've lost four guys. They've either dropped out or we've eliminated them. Most recently, Jay Triano is out. So we'll touch on Triano, and then we'll uh, just briefly talk about the guys we've had in more recently here. But with Triano, I was kind of looking forward to... uh, the possibility of him staying around. I'm not a huge Triano fan, but there were things that we saw throughout the season that gave me some confidence in him. And I I really liked what he could liked what he was doing with a few of the guys and the way he'd yank a player out when they weren't playing well. Like I like seeing that out of a coach and, but Jay's out now. Are, are any of you two hung up about that at all? I mean, I wish him all the best. He did some nice things for us this year. I, I think he's truly a good coach, but I'm I'm not upset one bit. I think this is the best move. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything against Triano. We touched on him on him a bit uh, last week, but you know I I as I'm I echo giving wishing him all the best. I like the guy. I wouldn't be against him coming back as an assistant and. Uh, I, I still am oh, – I, I never was that down with his rotations. I thought at times they were a little too set in stone on 
certain ways they would go. While it was good that he would yank guys if uh, they were being dumb or being Marquise Chris in general, but uh, just but I I still think that there were times where guys either would be hot or would be getting hot and then they'd get pulled because his lineups were a little more set in stone and then wouldn't come in for way too long. So I, I think just because of that and because of the group of guys that we have interviewed and talked about possibly coming here, that it makes sense for him to be out of the running. Right, so... The guys that we've had in a little more recently are James Borrego from the Spurs and Steve Clifford, who is just with the Hornets. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on them? Do either of them get you very excited? Um, yeah, I mean, anyone from the pop coaching tree, it's going to be exciting. Um, Steve Clifford is known to have had some success. Uh, I know that his uh, his health is a bit of a concern, and he missed about 20 games last year, which is concerning for us because we don't need any more assistant coaches with this team. Um, but, I mean, Phoenix is renowned for having a great training staff, so maybe they can help him out too. You know, I, I kind of share that sentiment about Frank Vogel because I feel like I, I saw Frank Vogel one time this year and it looked like he turned into somewhat of an old man from his Pacers days. And I, I thought maybe maybe get him down to Phoenix and get him that youthful glow back. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I've this is this might be a little bit too much information, but I've always thought Frank Vogel kind of looks like a vampire, and uh, this year in Orlando just cemented that um, image in my head. He, I mean, he is Dracula in my mind, the Dracula of basketball, and that's a compliment. He's a great coach. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Also, he can spin a ball on a toothbrush and brush his teeth while the ball's spinning on. Yeah, the I mean, toothbrush. can you know anyone? Do you know anyone that's not a vampire that can do that? Because I don't. T- teach Devin Booker how to do that, <laughs> and I'll give you so many million per year to be our head coach. <laughs> He'd be unstoppable. The only uh, talk I have with Borrego is he's been an assistant with Pop for forever. Uh, I think since like two thousand three or four. He's just been there forever, and that's cool, and I enjoy that. And I know – I think I asked last week if he was the Spurs interim with what was going on with Pop, but uh, he wasn't. It was some other guy that I can't remember his name, and I'm not sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> like, it, it's cool to have someone still on the Pop coaching tree in the mix, and, you know, you're going to give whoever that is just a little bit of more – consideration just because of that coaching tree I feel you there I think that's why we were all so disappointed when uh, Budenholzer pulled out is it Budenholzer or Budenholzer I say Budenholzer I think it's Budenholzer good enough I was close whatever who cares he's not our coach we don't have to worry about it that's right get out of here (laughs) okay so I think we can believe that there's eight guys left in the search. Let's just quickly go and each say who we'd most want to have. We've got David Blatt, Borrego, Clifford, Vinny Del Negro, David Fisdale, Igor Kukoshkov, Kevin McHale, Frank Vogel. Mitch, who's your favorite? Uh, This is a tough one for me. I can narrow it down to two off the top of my head. 
And that is, ah, dang, I might have to make that three. Okay, I'll (laughs) just go through my thought process quickly. My top three right now, in no particular order, are Fizdale, however you say it, Kokoskov, Kokoshkov, and Frank Vogel. It's really hard for me to choose from there. I'm seeing things from, like, Jared Dudley had a tweet the other day saying that he thought Kokoshkov was who it, who it should be. And, I mean, look at what this Jazz team is doing. That's amazing. So, obviously, he knows what he's doing. Vogel is a proven guy. Fizdale did amazing things in Memphis. I guess just for the sake of uh, autonomy with the players, I'll go with Kokoshkov. What about you, David? Uh, I'll go ahead and throw out three. I've got two that are the same as you, Kokoshkov and Vogel. Vogel's my number one, and him and him and Bud were my number one going into before anyone was canceled out. Uh, Vogel, I've talked a bunch about him and how much I just think he's a really good coach. And Kokoshkov, what this Jazz team is doing, if he really is a huge part of that, that's a big deal. Um I just and what I've read about him is that he seems like he would be a really good option. Uh, my other though is David Blatt. If Blatt is interested in the job, I I would be tough to choose between him between those three. If Blatt was interested as well, I think that whatever was going on in Cleveland, Blatt just got LeBroned, and like that's just what happened. And I think it's unfortunate and. I think he's a really good coach, and he deserves another shot if he wants it in the NBA. Okay, this is this might be unpopular to say, but what if David Blatt comes back here and he gets Booker? Maybe, maybe David Blatt just rolls over when he has a player that challenges him in those states a little bit. Like we we know Booker has a little bit of say in things. Uh. I, I don't know enough about Blatt to say that, but that is concerning that it did happen under LeBron. How did that went? LeBron's a different animal, though. I mean, yeah, LeBron I, will threaten. LeBron true. threatens to leave every time anyone doesn't do exactly as he says. I mean, ask Pat Riley about that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's just I mean, completely different. So yeah, I mean, LeBron is a different situation. I'll give you that. And I think Blatt is a good coach, but. I've heard so many of these stories about just David Blatt being kind of weird and having this strange attitude, and that's what turns <laughs> me off on him. The story that always sticks out in my mind, and I heard this on Zach Lowe's podcast, and this was probably a, a year or two ago. President Obama was in... No, this had to be longer ago. I'm pretty sure Obama was still in office. President Obama was at a game that Blatt was coaching the Cavs in. And someone mentioned to Blatt, oh, President Obama's here. Would you want to meet him? And he goes, I've met presidents before. Like, I don't know. That just doesn't work well with me. And it's not even a political thing. It's not like he's like, oh, I don't agree with that guy. He said, I've met presidents before. I don't know. I'm just like, go shake the president's hand. That's cool, no matter what you think. (laughs) Yeah, that, that seems a little crazy. That does. He's definitely a strange dude, and I don't think that that's, uh, that's up for debate at all, for sure. Like, he's weird, but he's a good coach. He is know, a good coach. 
I, I don't think your coach needs to be your friend, especially after the Earl Watson exper- <laughs> experience. Uh, I really don't think that's true, but the guy's definitely got a vibe a little bit, and if the guy's weird, <laughs> that's not a good sign. But all in all, I agree with the same two as you guys, Vogel and Kakashkov. I'd be happy to see either of them come. But then my third is Vinny Del Negro. And I can't even put my finger on it. Why? But I think it might just have something to do with, like, I think the other options are a little bit stale for me. Like, even Blatt and then Clifford, eh. Mikhail, eh. I don't know. Those those two guys just don't get me excited very much. But Vinny's been out of the league for a little while as a head coach. And, uh, you know, maybe he's been cooking up a master plan. Who knows? I, I do think we also need to mention, I almost forgot, but uh, there, the, the Toronto assistant, the Toronto assistant coach that has been pegged with some of the de- like huge developmental strides of uh, the Toronto bench and part of really the development of that Toronto bench mob, I believe he got or is getting an interview with the Suns. Um, I read about it like earlier today, and I can't remember the dude's name. It starts with. I a thought P. I saw he interviewed with the Knicks too. Nick Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse, or whatever. P and same same close. Um, yeah, I think it was something about the Knicks, and then he was or is gonna interview with us or date already, something like that. Uh, and it. So people praise him for his development and stuff, and I almost forgot completely about it until just now. So just wanted to shout that guy out that that's going to happen, or it did. And also the Pelicans assistant coach, Chris Finch. Yep. Uh, it sounds like officials spoke to him, officials from the team. So, I mean, all in all, there's one thing we can take away from this coaching search is it was much different than the last one. Uh, a lot of people thought that was very rushed and hurried, but this one, they're taking their time. They're dotting their I's and crossing their T's. There are plenty of guys that we've brought in for interviews, so I think, I hope it's McDonough that's making this call, and Sarver doesn't have much to do with it, but I, I really hope that McDonough finds the guy that we need for this team to get better. And it's not so much about development anymore. The team needs to get better, and I I hope that plays a big factor in there. All right. It's time to talk about Eric Bledsoe, and I hope this is the last time we really ever just rip on Eric Bledsoe or praise Eric Bledsoe or just really talk about him unless we're recapping a game against whatever team he's playing for next year. So... The Bucks were eliminated game seven against the Celtics, and we've all we all know about the Bledsoe and Rozier back and forth. But in the last I think it was about six minutes to five minutes left in the fourth quarter of this game, Bucks were down pretty pretty bad, but they had all their starters in, and there was a three possession series where Bledsoe got lost, Rozier just off ball movement gets wide open for a three hits the three bucks ball they come down Bledsoe turns it over and then on the next time down Rozier same exact thing just moving without the ball Bledsoe falling asleep on defense and then him hitting another three it was just magical 
to those of us who are just kind of fed up with Eric Bledsoe in general, but man, and then getting yanked out of the game for Jason Terry in that situation, I think that was just a beautiful end to this season for us Suns fans who felt a little hurt by how Bledsoe did us this year, I guess. So let's just wrap this whole thing up. Uh, You know, he did put up some pretty decent numbers in the series, but this isn't a guy who's going to help your playoff team. He's made that pretty obvious. Or if it's not a playoff team, he's not going to help your team anyways. I, I feel like I'm rambling right now, so somebody somebody take <laughs> it away from me. I mean, here's my thing with this. Rogier and Bledsoe had this back and forth this whole time. It was pretty funny. Watch them at the end of the game. They shake hands. They hug. It's all in good fun. Anyone who's taking this super seriously is not doing it right. This is just all in good fun. But, yeah, I mean, Bledsoe did what we were used to seeing him do, and I don't know why anyone's really surprised. So I think it's just going to be like a Markeith situation, you know? I can say his name now without getting automatically angry, but it took some time to digest and to get over that whole situation and the same thing will happen with Bledsoe but for now um, go Celtics I guess (laughs) here's my thing with Drew Bledsoe it's uh, I I think that once you started to see him do the exact same things that he did on the Suns you realize that it wasn't the fact that he was disinterested because he was on a bad team it seems like he was just disinterested disinterested and lackadaisical anyways no matter what and it was nice to see that you know he just doesn't care when he's on a team that actually needs him to care and is in the playoffs that's really cool and I appreciate that and I also appreciate him making it really hard for me to actually watch Giannis and the Bucks because I liked to watch Giannis and the Bucks. Now it's just kind of gross. So I appreciate that, Drew Bledsoe. Um, I think it's really funny. It seems like whenever we trade away a player, except for, like, really I'll say IT, except now he's fallen off a cliff, but only because whatever, who knows. But, like, at the time of the trade, everyone thought that we were just, like, crazy and that we were doing guys dirty and all this other stuff and then it turns out that these guys that we were doing this to aren't actually nearly as good as everyone thought they were nearly as good as what we got for them like we got a lottery pick for Markeith Morris which is hilarious for what he does and we got two first round picks for Dragic and I'm glad that we're still on like speaking terms with or now back on speaking terms with the front office with Dragic and everything and I don't think Dragic has been bad in Miami but like the fact that we got two first round picks is awesome the fact that we got a first round pick for Bledsoe where it seems like everyone just hates him now is great and like I I think that people are really quick to give this front office a lot of smack and to hate on Sarver and a lot of that is warranted but I think that it's kind of nice to see that the fan base isn't taking crazy pills when we're just fed up with someone and that like maybe that's a little bit warranted and that's what this series taught me 
Yeah, I'd say it's it's just really great to pass the torch to these teams. I I didn't see the Wizards ever like I I mean, I do creep on some subreddits of opposing teams, especially ones like the Wizards and the Bucks. I I like seeing what they say about our old players. I don't see a ton of Markeith hate, but man, the way that Milwaukee kind of turned against Bledsoe since how excited they were at the beginning to how things are now. I, I did enjoy watching that whole drama a little bit. I mean, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. The NBA is a reality TV series, essentially. It's been so dramatic, and I feel like especially this year, we've had a lot of drama. So just remember that when you think about these kind of things. That's very true. And, yeah, like we consider it like reality TV, but then again, we do have to go back, like you mentioned earlier, how Bledsoe and Rozier uh, – the nice handshake after the game and all that like these guys do keep it real out there and yeah i don't know maybe it's going to turn into the wwe where like you get the call outs before games i'd love that but i mean think of it this way you know when people are friends with each other they roast each other that's just the thing you know especially amongst men i i'd say that's very true and think about how many players are in the nba it's a pretty exclusive fraternity of players. These guys are going to roast each other. And some people truly don't like each other. I'm sure that's true. But, like, I think they're just having fun. And, I mean, think about you with your friends. I know I say things to David worse than that on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> or more endearing, depending on how or you look exactly, at it. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we can break down the way that men who are friends communicate all day but um overall i think this was a fun series any series that goes to seven games is going to be exciting and the bucks really did have a chance to win that because with all the injuries that the celtics had and but i mean guys like terry rozier stepped up let's not take any credit away from him bledsoe is a good offensive player i'm not gonna lie but he locked him down on D. Maybe Bledsoe was lackadaisical or whatever or disinterested. But Rozier played really well in this series, so good for him. He stepped up at a time that um, he needed to. Um, but on that note, the Suns do not need Terry Rozier or Marcus Smart. Stop <laughs> saying it. Who would you rather have, though? Of those two, Rozier. But I don't want either of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of do. Rozier's going to get paid or someone's going to get a king's ransom for him. Uh, like, yeah. Someone's just going to overpay really, really bad for him That's just true. because of this series. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Batum situation or uh, who's someone else? Um, maybe not Bogut or maybe not Mozgov, but I think Batum. The, the Nicholas Batum situation, I think, is a good comparison to what I think will happen. That is good, but I, I think it'd be fair to just say Mozgov money in general. Mozgov money. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just hop into some playoff talk. We we covered that pretty well, and we're getting into the second round of it now. Celtics will be taking on the 76ers. They beat the Heat in the first series 
and stuff got chippy there. I I think I saw Dragic actually smack Simmons on the back of the head one play, uh, and obviously there was just plenty more. But 76ers are really impressive, and as much as I I hate to root for other teams in general. I think I I just like seeing what they're doing because I hope that's what we're doing. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and it makes David really mad. Um, we talked yep. about this a couple of weeks ago, but the Sixers have the best chance to challenge the Cavs in the East. I stand by that. Um, I said that before the playoffs even started. The Sixers team is fun. They're good. I know a lot of people hate them, but it makes me excited because I'm like, that could be us. David? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to choose my words about the Sixers. Uh, That series was interesting, and uh, I didn't think I would ever be rooting for Kelly Olenek to drop 40 every game to try. I I knew you'd change your mind eventually. (laughs) That that facial hair, though, still, like, that stuff's rough. Like, that stuff's Uh, really bad. But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I the Sixers team is uh, well coached, and Kelly Olynyk is the best stretch five in the league. <laughs> Don't at you or at you. <laughs> you can at me. I'll give you my personal Twitter at Crump K R M P one two. Follow me. Ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna and at Sunny and PHX Pod. You can follow <laughs> that one too. Probably at that one first. Um, Please. Yeah, I mean like. You get a guy like J.J. Redick, who is going to play, like, really solid all the time. And you add him, who is to a team that really is dying of, like, really needs to stretch the floor. You add a guy, like, uh, who's awful, like Erson Ilyasova, and he helps stretch the floor. I like him. And, yeah, I know. You do. That's why I said he's <laughs> awful. Um but, like, I mean, they added veterans to this team, and a combination of that and having high lottery picks for the last four or five years or whatever, like, that makes it good. So, good job, Philadelphia. Have <laughs> Enjoy Colangelo. But we're on that track. I mean, we're, we're poised to sign some veteran guys this year. So we can combine that with Booker and Jackson and... We'll sign Derek Dudley Favors and, and <laughs> sign <laughs> Derek <else>? Favors. <laughs> Every time I've seen on the Sun subreddit, there's been a little talk about Derek Favors, and I just think about you and how you were pitching it to him while we were sitting in the Coors Light seats. That was great. That's it's right. actually yep. it's actually all Mitch alt accounts that are like <laughs> trying to make yeah, up that's, buzz. That's right. Yeah. If you see Derek Favors, please consider PHX you slash Derek favors please consider phx on reddit that's you know who it is yeah that's good (laughs) all right so second round action 76ers versus celtics who do you got i mean the 76ers are the better team because they don't have because the celtics don't have Kyrie, and it's kind of hilarious that uh Kyrie shut himself down because they're just going all in for next season when they could probably beat the Cavs with Kyrie and no Gordon Hayward this season, like, oh. yep, like that's I agree. Ki- it's kind of hilarious. I, I I thought that from the beginning of the season. 
Actually, I want to bring something up. I'm really tired of in these podcasts that I listen to people calling, I said this at this time, and I just did it. I realize I just did it, but I'm going to catch myself and I'm not going to do that because it's really annoying when I hear these guys say, oh yeah, in 2012, I said the Bucks would be playing the Celtics in the playoffs. I, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm on the opposite end of that. If I shout something out and it happens, I'm going to harp on that so much. Well, yeah, it's okay, it's cool for us because we're – this is not like the main thing we do with our lives but like okay don't get me long wrong i still love zach Lowe, but i feel like 45 minutes of every zach Lowe podcast is him and his guests saying oh yeah i remember last season i said this and that and i said the raptors were gonna have this great bench i don't care i don't i get it like yeah you should have gotten that right you get paid to how are you going to react if Derek Favors signs with the Suns next year, though? That's different. <laughs> <laughs> That's different that was, because that's, that, that is different because I pitched it to him. Right. That's fair. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, the Cleveland-Indiana series wow. was just wow. fantastic. It was unreal. Seven games. And I don't know if anyone expected the Pacers to put up that much of a fight, but man, they were sure impressive. And it took a, this might've taken a little bit out of LeBron. He said in this game seven, he said, I'm playing 48 minutes tonight. I, I don't know if he actually played the whole game or not. He played a boatload, but, uh, he, he did get some rest. He got like, he did. He got a good solid stretch of rest and yeah, they, they did run away with it a little bit for a point there so that does make sense but the bigger deal like lebron to win this seven game series had to score like 45 points for two or four point wins which going up against a team like toronto or you know if it ends up being philadelphia like some other guys better step up like they kind of did for like a couple minutes here and there this game but like for seven games and not just an elimination game seven like they better step up like the entire series otherwise lebron's going to be wearing 23 in cleveland much shorter than we expect and by shorter i mean by a series or two <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean what the pacers did was crazy i'm so happy for them because they were not expected to even make the playoffs this year Everyone was like, that Oladipo trade was terrible. And he stepped way up, Sabonis stepped way up, goes Ags. So it's great to see them doing that. And I think they're going to be good next year, too. I was really hoping they could win this series. It would have been really something special to see LeBron exit in the first round. But, I mean, like we've been saying for a while, it's it probably wasn't going to happen. Oh, I just caught myself doing it again, too. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Anyway, it would have been great to see Indiana win that series, and congratulations to them on a heck of a season. So is it safe to say that Russell Westbrook doesn't make his teammates better? Yes. <laughs> is that the understatement of the year? I, I think so. Man, that game was something, too. The, oh, yeah. The last few seconds of that game where – so this is OKC Jazz, and OKC had – five or six chances on offensive rebounds or the ball going out of bounds on the jazz to take shots to tie the game and 
they missed a bunch of open shots. And then Paul George does that thing where he tries to jump into the guy and the refs don't call it, which, okay, I get that that's frustrating because they usually would call that, but it shouldn't be called. They called it the right way. Um, he airballs it. And then they don't foul. There's 24.6 seconds on the clock, and they don't foul until there's six seconds. It was amazing to watch Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony all give up in a pivotal game. And this is just picking here, but they they subbed out. Did they sub out Grant for Anthony at the end there? I just with uh with that 20 seconds left. I know Anthony came in off the bench, and I think it was for Grant. But, like, with Grant's speed and athleticism, and I'd say he's a little more motivated than Melo, especially on the defensive end, like, I bet that dude would have laid down a foul pretty quick. I don't know. I know I'm picking at straws there, but... I do want to say, like, the Thunder, like, looking, watching that stretch... They were, like, throwing arms out, and Donovan Mitchell was – or, like, the Jazz were running through arms, and the refs just weren't calling anything. Like, they're doing the exact same thing that everyone does when it comes to, like, fouling at the end. You kind of just, like, grab at it lackadaisical, and and they get – you get the call like against you like that's what you do and the thunder were doing that but in an elimination game in the last 24 seconds of an elimination no i know you you trap and you foul that way so that way you just don't leave it up to chance but i mean this thunder team has not been very um disciplined this season so like it's not that surprising that they didn't do that but like they were doing the normal thing when you're fouling someone intentionally. It, they just, it just didn't get called. So, like, that's – they were, like, going for it. And that being said, like, you, you – in an elimination game, you make sure that there's a trap because maybe they don't call it. Maybe you get a strip. Like, you do stuff like that, not just kind of, like, lackadaisical, like, hey, I'm fouling, I'm fouling, I'm fouling, I'm fouling. See? That's a fair point. I I didn't even really notice that. I just would have expected someone to actually nearly wrap someone up at that point. That's what like, I agree. I, just a little more urgency when it's on the line like that. that I guess I would have liked to see that. But then we would have gotten a Jared Dudley versus Ricky Rubio round two, and the Jazz fans would have freaked out. I'm kidding. Well, yeah, I'm that's kidding. That's because they're all soft. That's because they're all soft. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Shout out to the greatest thing about this series that is Mitt Romney trash talking Russell Westbrook, though. I didn't know it, it I was needed amazing. that in my life. It was amazing. <laughs> I didn't know I needed that, but I sure appreciated it. Okay, I could I could talk more smack there, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a little happy for the Jazz and as much animosity between our our fandoms of the whole Mitchell versus Booker thing, like Mitchell played incredible basketball in that in that round, and he's really gonna have his hands full with the Rockets. Uh, they got spanked today. That series are is already at one zero in favor of the Rockets. So uh, this is probably the end of the road for the Jazz, but props to them. Yeah, I agree. I think the Rockets are really going to start putting it together. They not have that to. They, yeah, I mean, it's like, not like they were that challenged early on, but they dropped that game, and 
I mean, they they need to fix a few things, but I think it's going to start coming together in this series. They had basically yeah. two eye openers against Minnesota. That first game where it was close, and then the game where Minnesota was able to steal one, and then they do things like drop fifty points in a quarter. Like yeah. part of the yeah. part of the problem with that Minnesota series was like for the first four games or whatever they were shooting like hot garbage, which they normally don't. That being said, maybe if they they had guys trying to emulate J.J. Redick a little bit more that are running off screens and trying to shoot threes instead of just standing around and watching James Harden do cool stuff. They they might be able to get some better looks. But uh, who's judging? I'm not their coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say I'm rooting for the Rockets just because I'm rooting for Mike D'Antoni and I'm rooting for not the Warriors. And I think the Rockets still have the pose the biggest threat. And I mean, I will say seeing the Rockets play in person this year, the games weren't pretty. They were pretty tough to watch as a Suns fan, but that team is really amazing. And seeing them in person makes you realize, I mean, on TV, you can tell how contested these shots are, but in person, like James Harden hits everything. It, I don't understand. Like every, shot that he makes that looks like it's just about to be blocked and he swishes it like we've all seen him do that when you see that in person it is it's something special yeah when he's pulling some of those threes he looks it looks so effortless and just like almost like he doesn't even care but they're just all right on the money it's pretty incredible it is it's really something special uh do we need to talk about how disappointing the Trailblazers were? Or is that just pl- pretty well stated overall? Bring Dame to Phoenix. Bring Dame <laughs> to Phoenix. <laughs> um, go Pelicans. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing. The Trailblazers, yeah, they underperformed. They weren't all that great. But that Pelicans team is actually good. If they had Boogie Cousins right now, like it would be really interesting but yeah we, yeah, we wouldn't I, have had these crazy anthony davis games if there was boogie out there right that is true well and it's interesting that in game one the warriors handled the pelicans but i i don't think that's surprising i mean like the way that the hardest matchup that the pelicans have is at like small forward and be- because they play small basically and like the Warriors have the second best slash one B small forward in the league and Kevin Durant. Like Yeah, that's true. Like it's it's not that surprising. Against a team like Portland, where it's basically all guard play, it makes sense that like the Pelicans match up just super favorably. But when it's the Warriors and they have amazing guard play as well as MVP caliber small forward play, like you're just, it, it's really hard to beat them. Yeah, I agree. And I think people do forget how good Kevin Durant is sometimes. I know I kind of did. I mean, he's amazing. He's, in my book, he's the second best player in the world. I think it goes LeBron and then KD. And I don't know. I think I just forgot a little bit about him because the narrative we heard for so long was like, oh, Steph's out for however long we don't really know what's that team going to look like and then you're just like oh yeah Kevin Durant is pretty amazing just on his own and then you add Clay Thompson and 
I guess Draymond Green. I guess you gotta say it. <laughs> no, we don't have it. to add him. He's garbage. I hate him. And, uh, and JaVale McGee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that being said, I I still say that like I mean like obviously Steph is way more important to that Warriors team, and I think that's why people were like nervous about that if he wasn't healthy. But uh, I'm pretty sure he was being held out because Steve Kerr didn't actually think that they needed him. And they just gave him more rest, because why not? I think that's, like, the reason why he was held out longer and it seemed weird. Not because he was, like, still hurt. I think it was just like, oh, we're just going to give you more rest because we can blow through the Spurs team. Yeah. So, do you guys think the Pels have a chance in this series? Or are are you kind of under the impression of you just want them to wear down the Warriors as much as possible? Because that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see the Pelicans win this series. I think it'll go six games and the Warriors will win. And uh, that would be fine. If you if the Pelicans can push them to six games, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that just the Pelicans play well and continue to show that they are a good team. They're just going up against a dynasty right now. And, yep. like, there's nothing to it. Like, that Pacers team that was together for a couple of years that got ran into LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals every year and just lost like that was a good team they just ran into a dynasty mm-hmm. very good point I mean yeah it's like the Suns with the Bulls in the 90s that too alright does that wrap things up I think it does yeah, I think that's about it. Playoffs have been good. I really liked that OKC uh, Utah series. I think that was my favorite. It was fun. Uh, I've already filled my Russell Westbrook smack talk <laughs> quota for the episode, but I'm going to go over it because the whole thing about him taking the little swipe at the fan at the end of the game, like... I don't think Russ can complain about any single fan when we've seen this happen this year. Russ goes into an opposing arena. He finds the Thunder fans. He's cocky. He makes a bit of an ass out of himself. And then he expects the home team fans not to talk smack to him on his way out. I mean, when you're in the public like that, that's going to happen. you got to know that. And I, I think it's kind of funny that Russ just really can't handle that yet. I do think that that dude was, like, way too much in his face and was way over where he should have been. Like, eh, that's... I've seen worse than that, though. No, like, that, Much worse than that. Just because there's been worse than that doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah, it is where I, I'm at. And, like, this isn't defending West, Westbrook because, uh, man, this series made it really hard to try and defend him. I'm pretty sure I was... I mentioned this to Mitch like this week it was you know I feel like I have this irrational thing to defend Westbrook like last season when it was the MVP year and all that kind of stuff I felt like I needed to take up the position of kind of defending the guy and I still kind of have a little bit of that but kind of this season and especially this playoff series has made it really hard to like feel like you have to like do that and it just ends up to the yeah I'm just I'm out like I'm good (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay, 
I'm not trying to defend him here, but I want to make an analogy that I've heard before and I think is good. These guys are under a lot of pressure. And sometimes they're going to do dumb stuff because of that. Like, imagine if you are in your regular job as an accountant and every day you go to work and there are thousands of people just screaming at you, whether it be good or bad. And some people are saying MVP, some people are saying you're trash. And you finish a spreadsheet and everyone criticizes it and says, wow, that spreadsheet is terrible. What the heck is he doing? His career is really going downhill. And then you go, at the end of the day, you go home to take a shower and there's a reporter in there waiting to ask you a bunch of questions. What happened with this spreadsheet today? So yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) a lot of pressure. I guess I get that some guys are going to make mistakes, but Westbrook does this over and over and over. So I'm not going to excuse him from it. I do say having some random drunk dude or assumedly drunk dude shove something in your face and scream at you is like taking that multiple and like multiplying it to the extreme. Like that too. I want to see like any of these fans, like, like if you like that same analogy, like you're at your desk job and not your boss, not like a coworker, just some random dude runs into your office when like throws their phone in your face and starts screaming like about how much you suck or like whatever like you're probably never been an accountant for a day in their life yeah like you're more than likely gonna get fired from your accounting job because you freaking blow up and like that's true like that's that's just what's gonna happen like you're not gonna like just like keep walking or like go back to what you're doing like more than likely if that happens like you're going to freak out and like that's just how it is and there i'm done defending westbrook (laughs) okay i have one last thing to say (laughs) (laughs) so in that elimination game i'm just trying to think of the locker room dynamic with russ paul george and mellow just them sitting next to each other they're getting the stats they see that they lost, and in that loss, Russ shot the ball forty-three times. I don't that's think that's a lot. I don't that's think Paul lot. George even cares. I think that this series started going south, and he already had his fishing trip in LA set up. Oh yeah, Paul George has had tickets to go to LA since December. Yeah, <laughs> since he lost know, to the Suns but- in January. So, I'm just saying, like, in the locker room, it can't be fun to have Russ on your team. Can it? I think... I don't think so. I think it can. I mean, he's good. I mean, like, it can, because when you're winning, it doesn't matter. But... true. When you are someone like Carmelo Anthony who apparently just still thinks that he's, like, 25. Like, he's probably annoyed, but guess what? Carmelo Anthony shouldn't be annoyed about anything because he's hot garbage. And, like, I remember thinking, like, wow, they got Carmelo. If Carmelo just plays, like, Olympic Carmelo Anthony, then, like, this team can be really good. And guess what he didn't do? Play like Olympic Carmelo Anthony and tried to play like he was still thinking he was in New York and he was 25, like... Uh, yeah, like, he's probably annoyed, but I don't think... I think when you have that kind of guy, if you're winning, it doesn't matter. If you're a guy like... You think that, okay, he's your best player, you expect him to take a lot of shots. 
it, does it suck when he starts when he just gets tunnel vision and stops caring about like his assist stats yeah it does but like Paul George didn't care because he's thinking about LA Carmelo Anthony cared because he's garbage and thinks about it the wrong way anyways but like I'm done I'm out yeah, yeah. so sorry Paul George probably, fans. Paul George probably didn't care either because he was shooting 12 percent that game and he just wanted it to be done so yeah fair enough Let's move it on. Let's uh, get into something that cheers us up a little bit. It's time for those non-sports related plugs. We've got Mitch's face melting minute, David's comic book corner. I'll throw something in there in between. Start us off. All right. So this week I'm going to be plugging uh, a band called Eternity Forever. They had an EP come out called the Fantasy EP uh, 2017. There's four songs on it and they're all really good. Um, I found this stuff because I was listening to Sean. I've plugged Sean before. Um, and I listened to one of their albums all the way through, and Spotify does a thing where after you do that, it just plays radio based on what you were listening to. And so it was just shuffling, and this song came up by uh, Eternity Forever. And I thought it was really cool. Um, it's a lot like Sean, but a little less guitar work and a lot more vocals. Everything is super melodic, um, music theory heavy, but still really enjoyable. It's got the, the technical, the technicality mixed with the poppiness and it works out really well. So really, really good, like summer jams. If you like technical metal and stuff like that, <laughs> I don't know that I'd even call this metal, but if you like that kind of stuff, this is really good for the summer. And if you like Chon or even Animals as Leaders or anything like that, you'll probably like this. So check out the Fantasy EP by Eternity Forever. So it's fair to say it's a little less Chani than Chon? A, a little less Chani, but still in the same vein as Chon. Cool. Polyphia, a little bit more like Polyphia, because Polyphia is a, little, a bit more poppy. Perfect. That explains it. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, I've been, like, away from the podcast for a couple weeks. Just had a bunch of stuff going on. Bought a new house in Phoenix, like, six or seven miles north of The Stick. Oh, yeah. Pretty excited about that. So I've been doing a lot of, like, packing, moving, getting, having people at my house, inspectors, looking at houses, that whole situation. So been busy with that, but... I have started watching Westworld. Season 2 came back. I'd love to talk about it, but it's so confusing. I really I really can't at this point. The first episode of the second season here, it's uh it's pretty interesting. There's like timeline hops, and it's tough to know what's happening now and what's in the past and what's new. So uh I'm about to watch the next episode after we, after we record. So I'm excited about that. Also, I saw a Let's Play for God of War, and that looked incredible. If you're into, if you are considering buying that game, uh, the storyline looks really cool, and all the gameplay looks cool too. I haven't played it myself, but it looks great. So that's all I got. David, go ahead. All right. So, uh, Avengers: Infinity War came out, or uh, as Mitch likes to call it, Avengers: Infinity Bore. Ah, oh, you beat me to my own joke. Bam! I knew it was coming. Um, uh, ten years of build-up. I remember watching the first Iron Man movie. I was in eighth grade. Um, went as a date with a girl. 
and remember forcing nice. the girl to stay behind for the end credit scene of Samuel Jackson <laughs> as Nick Fury. And I've been hooked since. I have gone every single basically opening weekend to each movie, if not the soonest showing as soon as it released. Uh, plenty of friends have gone with me. I've gone by myself, gone with family. This entire 10-year buildup has been crazy. It's been like 20 movies. It, it is, uh, it's crazy that, uh, it fin- that this movie finally came out. I've been looking forward to it since probably 2009 or so. So uh, just, it was great. It, it lives up to the hype. And uh, I am going to see it probably at least two or three times more in theater because uh i am a crazy person but uh everyone is uh, apparently everyone is seeing this movie that goes to see movies anyways so it's not like i need to tell you to go see it because uh it's it's making a lot of money because it's worth it it's just it's a ton of fun and i can't keep on blabbering about how much fun it is and how exciting it was for me because uh it was just a lot so i'll stop talking the year off but uh just shout out that it finally came. More like Infinity Bore. Oh, boom! <laughs> Got him. <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy that you like it so much. I've heard good things. I might see it. David. Yes. I have one question. Life changing. Life affirming. Oh. Oh wow. It was all Someone worth it. You, that's even better. It was all worth it. Like the twenty movies were all worth it. Well, I'm glad you seem pretty excited about that. So I almost cried out of happiness. Nice. We better wrap this up, or I might start. Okay. <laughs> we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, check out the Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. We'll be back next week. Uh, man. We're counting down the time for the draft, the lottery, summer league. We're, we're ready. We're enjoying the nice competitive basketball that we've been able to watch lately, but uh, I'm already itching for the Suns again. As much as I hate to say it, and it, it's, it just shames me a little bit to say that right now, but I'm ready for Suns basketball again already. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast, you might be in that boat too. I have a good feeling about that. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Go Suns. Bye.